welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week, we're featuring one of the finalists in the 200-word RPG challenge, Fuck, it's Dracula! I loved the winners and finalists that came out of the 200-word this year. I wanted to spend more time than just one week with the competition so we could celebrate all the achievements that came out of it this year. Fuck, it's Dracula! is similar to traditional games, but it has more than a few interesting mechanics and a lot of personality. Also, with fall starting, we're officially in Halloween season, and this game is the perfect way to welcome in Spooktober. Before I get to the show, I wanted to thank everyone for their well wishes for Mel and I on social media. Our wedding day was incredible, and you were all a huge part of that. I'm so sorry this episode is up a few hours late, but this weekend of happiness left me needing some rest. Thank you so much for understanding. Coming up this week on the OneShot Twitch stream, this Thursday we'll have more Gloomhaven with a new episode of Total Party Kill starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can find all that and more at twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. Finally, I'd like to take a moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Not That Drew, thank you so much. David Rourke, thank you. Michael Thompson, thank you so much. Richard Smith, thank you. Melody Pinkston, thank you so much. Chessel Shock Studios, thank you. Mike Divers, thank you so much. Pope Diction Productions, thank you. Evad, thank you so much. Elsa, thank you. Katie Chin, thank you. Chris Russell, thank you so much. Makeshift Razor, thank you. Lucy Newman, thank you very much. Level 41,821, thank you. Nicholas W. Morris, thank you so much. Ian Morton, thank you. Misha Handman, thank you very much. Alice Tobin, thank you so much, Alice. Joseph Rundle, thank you. James Sweetland, thank you very much. I want to say Ian Jackson, but I think it's Ian Jackson. Thank you. Adelaide Bordas Prussell, thank you so much. And Aaron Burns, thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You make everything that we do on this network possible. If you happen to be a backer at the t-shirt level, be sure you filled out that survey by the end of the day today, because that is when I'm sending off the order. And with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. I'm really excited. We're continuing our 200-word RPG challenge episodes. But since we already went through Dear Elizabeth, and as we explained earlier, the other winners are not exactly podcast-friendly, we just picked one of the finalists to go with. And it's actually done by a friend of mine, LaVon Jahanian. LaVon is a game designer and I I don't want to say cartoonist. He's an artist. He he does do cartoons. He actually worked on Over the Garden Wall. He did some of the like title cards for Over the Garden Wall. So if you're a fellow garden gnome... Yep. which is now the fandom name that garden I've made up. Oh, garden I love that. For Over the Garden Wall, uh, you, you will enjoy Levon's work. Uh, but his game design work is actually super rad as well. Uh, and I was very excited to see that his entry for the 200-word challenge this year was a finalist and exactly my sort of game. Uh, and to help me play that game, I've brought in some ringers, some real... I don't know. Nerds? Yeah, some real nerds. <laughs> uh, real and the first weirdos. nerd up is Mel Fox. Oh, hello. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, give me your thoughts on Dracula. Are you a fan of Dracula I and mean, his various deeds? You know, I've never dug 
deep into the history of Dracula, but I've so I'll seen... So you have not read Dracula. I have not read Dracula, but if he's anything like... Um, gosh, what's that good uh, vampire movie? Uh, it was uh, in the shadows. Uh, <laughs> no. That's, I haven't that's seen that answer. one. Uh, Twilight? Is that here? God, no. <laughs> no. The, the older one. How old? Like, like, like the original That's 19... 19 no, yeah, no, no, no. Like, Interview no, with a Vampire? That's really old. Interview with a Vampire. Oh, oh. the gay one. The gay one. <laughs> That's what I'm the into. The sexy Have one. <laughs> yes, the hot gay the one. The sexy that, one. That, if... If we're talking about vampires like them, I'm so into this. Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, that is represented in Levon's game, which I have not mentioned, is Fuck! It's Dracula! <laughs> uh, that is the title of the game. It's um, one of the greatest titles I've ever seen in my life for an RPG. <laughs> and that voice that you're hearing right now is Allie Grauer. Allie, Yay! welcome back to One Shot. Thank you. Thanks Hello. for having me again. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you back. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dracula? So Dracula's like the original. I mean, not technically, because technically there must have been a vampire who was older and more original than Dracula, but it is not recorded in the, the annals of history. Uh, well, that, dra- that vampire is not as legit as Dracula. Right, right. Um, Dracula is an old thug. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've, I've read Dracula like once a, a long time ago. Like Mel, I did have a phase where I was very into uh, the gay, Anne sexy Anne Rice vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was like 14. I never read Twilight. What We Do in the Shadows is an amazing film. Yes, it is. Like, vampires as a concept, I get it. For a while, I didn't. Now I do. I get it. And I'm very excited about this game because when I went through all the finalists for the 200-word RPG this year, I picked out, like, a list of my favorites, and Fuck It's Dracula was definitely on the list, not just because it has an amazing title, but because (laughs) the way this game is set up to go it made me want to sit down and play it right away. So I'm really excited to play it tonight. It's got exactly the sort of attitude that I love to see in a micro game. And our next contributor is going to be Drew Merzieski. Great Drew, to see. Hey. welcome back to One Shot. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, so Drew, I have to know your thoughts on Dracula. Oh. The big D, as now, he's known. Now the question is, are you talking about Dracula? Or are you talking about the original, the OG, uh, Vlad the Impaler from the 1300s? Or oh, perhaps you're yes. talking about Bram Stoker's back Dracula? History Dracula. Or Whoa. Are you talking about the, the vampire? So are you talking about Dracula? The, uh, not the best guy. No, Vlad the Impaler sucked, dude. He, yeah, he sucked. Was, and not in the way that a vampire sucks. No, yeah, no, just in like a, like in a bad way. And a, uh, I will stick a, uh, a sharpened stake through your torso and leave you there to die as a warning to my Bavarian friends. Yeah, you know. Um, but um, we could also be talking about the vampire uh, based off of Byron's work. Um, yeah, and vampire, if I'm remembering correctly, that's the sexy lesbian vampire one. Oh, yes. shit, what yes. is this? So once upon a time, Lord Byron, uh, Percy, Bysshe, Shelley, and Mary Shelley went to a party in one of Byron's villas in the mountains, and they had a contest to write the scariest story they could think of in one night. 
And uh, Byron wrote this like half finished vampire, like the first vampire story. Yeah, it was the it, first it's what time. Bram Stoker based. Yeah, the first time vampires had appeared in fiction, and it was this wild story the that Byron. The first time you did say based, which is based. very good. It's, it's very he vamp- based vampiric. It, yeah. Um, and at that same party, Mary Shelley came out with Frankenstein. Just saying. So the rivalry between um, galvanic science monsters and vampires uh, goes back even further than we thought. So, but uh, to answer your question, I uh, I love Bram Stoker's Dracula Mm -hmm. like a lot, Uh, but not for the vampire, not because of Dracula. I love it. I love it for um, Van Helsing and um, Harker. And uh, the cowboy who's in it. Oh yeah, the um, cowboy. They they fight that with kukris book. and revolvers. Like it's awesome. That book is very good to revisit. Oh man, um, they also solve their problems with friendship. I know. One of the best good. things about that book is they constantly reference their friendship with each other. It's extremely good. It's, yep. it's very good. It's, it's very, very, very good. good friends. I think I've always been more fascinated with vampire hunters than I have with vampires in general. That but, sounds like you. But that's just me. Yeah. What we do in the shadows is dope. You obviously got to check that one. That's I also so recommend Shadow of the Vampire. Oh. If you're looking for a good Dracula film, Shadow of the Vampire is about the making of the movie Nosferatu. Ooh, the uh, original that presupposes the they used an actual vampire to play mm. the vampire. Okay. Oh man, oh. it rules! It's very good. silly and super weird. There's also on Netflix. There's Castlevania. Have has anybody here watched the the yes. animated Castlevania? It's written real bad, huh? Yeah, it's super bad, like real bad. <laughs> it's it's like what I like about it is the dialogue in that one is like what a thirteen year old thinks cool swearing is. That's the. <laughs> That's the script writing that they did for really? that one. The animation is very good. Oh yeah, but the dialogue is who boy does it make you cringe? It's uh uh it's so cringeworthy. It's so bad. It's just really really bad. And like you get through like the action, like oh my gosh, that was a cool action scene, and then they start talking the again. Sequences are dope. Yeah, watch them for that and nothing else. Yeah, I'm generally like well, I think it's actually hit or miss. Warren Ellis can be very very good. But he probably should have taken some time to rewrite that old script for, for that one. <laughs> well, let's get into season but two. So we're we're gonna make our own Dracula story today, yeah. and it's gonna be better. I've instructed you all to take out note cards, and on your note card, I need you to write down the following words: aggress, comprehend, enrapture, and survive it's like really good word choices here uh once you've written those down i need you to roll a d6 for each one and write the result next to the stat oh oh not not okay. and, and you can choose not which down stat. like ogd and d mel rolled a one for her first one and i don't want her to have an aggressive one because i imagine she will be more aggressive than that oh there we go well, it could be comprehend, and you could be a big old dummy. <laughs> That's a fine roll. Mm, guess I'll just be a big old dummy. Got All right, it. does everybody have their stats? Once you have rolled those stats, I need you to roll your d6 again and tell me what your result is. We're going to start with Mel. Six. 
baby, Woo! you just won the dang nice. lottery. Woo! Uh, because that was a roll for an item, and the item that you got is a crow. Wow. Oh, sweet. So you've got a crow that's your friend. You got a pet. Hell yeah. That's basically the best thing you can roll. In fact, I hope everybody rolls a six and you just have <laughs> crow friends that you hang that's out so with. That's so good. Uh, Allie, why don't you roll for me? I got a four. That is a mirror. Very Ooh. useful. And Drew. That's a five. My friend, you got a book. Ooh, that's perfect. <laughs> Drew, very excited about that. Yeah. Mel, who picked the character, who is a big dum-dum. <laughs> Uh, not not so enthusiastic about a book. <laughs> She's got a crow. I got a crow. My crow reads books for me. <laughs> Whatever, my, man. My crow brings me shiny things. Uh, okay. So, now that you've done that, um, I need you to name your characters. Oh, I got distracted drawing my crow. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Mel in character already. <laughs> James, you want you want first name, last name? You want any combination thereof? Yeah, you give me what you think. Well, in the hopes that I become a sexy vampire, my name is going to be Andreas. Andreas. Mm. Yeah, I got you hot already. Uh, Allie, <laughs> what's your name and how horny do you want it to make people? She had to step away for a second. <laughs> what's up is please, it because please, the name that, that she wrote down made her too horny yeah, obviously. yeah. no it, there was a cat in the sink so I had to um, <laughs> you're asking for the name of my character yes what is the name of your character Kildare Kildare ooh I like ooh. it Andreas Kildare and Drew what is your character's name and how bad does he want to fuck oh man uh, his name is Archibald and does Archibald fuck? Does Archibald fuck? I think Archibald does fuck, but only in fan fiction. Mm. Oh, poor guy. Eh, it's a good life. At least he's got control. He's over got a com- he's got a comprehensive six and a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that you've got that, you must write down who or what your character loves most. Mel looked at me, so I'm gonna hope that means. They love me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to decide between Kildare and my crow. Mm. Yes. (laughs) I don't know, man. You've got a crow. That's like pretty up there on the priority list. Pulled up pictures of crows on her phone. (laughs) I can only imagine the Google search was pictures of crows. Google, show me the crows. Lay off me. I couldn't remember what their heads were shaped like. It started looking like a pigeon, and I they're was like, well, like that birds. doesn't look right. Bird no. shapes. They're not just birds. They're they're crows. There are two types of birds. There are parrots and owls. <laughs> that joke is gonna make is gonna land a lot better a couple episodes from now. Hang with us. Okay, everybody got their love? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Andreas, who or what do you love most? Well, I wrote down I secretly love Kildare. Okay. <laughs> secret love. It ain't going to be secret for long. Secret love. We'll have to play Starcrossed again. Ooh. And what about the fair Kildare? Kildare loves the spirit of the hunt. Ooh, Ooh very cool. And finally, Archibald. Uh, what do you love? Archibald loves the existential dread that reminds him he's alive. Wow. Great. Damn. That's where we went. 
Yeah, he's okay. like that. <laughs> I'm Let going to write these down. So while you're off on the hunt, I'm just like trailing behind you. It's like, hey, do you need help? What? No. Are, are, are you sure? Is that your crow? Yes. It's it's making a lot of noise. Can you put it away? No. <laughs> the idea that she just like <laughs> grabs the crow and stuffs it in a jacket. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> stick it in my armpit like, hey, shush. Okay. Um, so you have completed your characters uh, according to the rules of the game. One player is the DM, the Dracula Master. Obviously. This game will take place in five phases. So we are reaching the first phase of the game, which is investigate the coffin. Oh, okay. Uh, I will oh. describe what happens at the beginning of each phase, and I'm going to roll for that. So I know secretly what is going to happen. Great. Uh, mm. Yes. Secrets. Okay, so that secret has been established. We have your characters built. It's time to start our game. You are simple villagers on the desert planet Thanaxio. It's 3400 AD, and humans live throughout the galaxy. A coffin-shaped pod has just crashed to the south. Um, Our camera sees the skyline of Thanaxio. Thanaxio is a planet that has a strange sort of atmosphere, no matter, and it's a very small planet too. I think gravity is a little bit lower here. There is an aurora borealis effect in the sky pretty much constantly all the time. And the sky, like even during the day, there's a faint green glow to it, but at night it is a brilliant electric green. And we can see a small obsidian pod descending from the sky, crashing through clouds that have a thin green sheen over what looks like a expansive red desert. The pod slams into the ground, kicking up mountains of dirt. Uh, and we can see that the atmosphere has made it red hot on the outside. And as we watch, it cools, and we can see the distinct coffin shape. There's no obvious propulsion system that's attached to this pod. It is very much a 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, just more coffin-shaped, this mysterious object descending to the red earth. Uh, I want to ask you as a group, um, do you think your characters were awake when this happened or is this something that they're dealing with the next day? Kildare was definitely awake. I was past the fuck out. I think Archibald's um, awake. I think you all travel together or work together. What do you do? I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm a, like a surveyor or like a, a traveler of some sort. I've got a crow, so... I think you guys being surveyors is pretty cool. Yeah. So I like that. You're like on this colony, this planet colony. And it's, it's definitely a little bit like firefly feeling like humans have spread really far, but there's also kind of this low tech Western aspect to everything you do. So you actually need to use this crow to survey the land. That's cool. I dig it. Hi, I dig Felicia. it. Yeah. Sorry. You can, um, yeah. It's okay. 
So obviously Andreas is the crow haver of the party. The crow haver. Andreas yeah. crow haver. That's my job. That's the job title. That's on all of their business cards. <laughs> Andreas crow haver. That's my last name. Crow haver. <laughs> it's a family business. Um, what is Kildare generally? What's, what's Kildare's role? Um, I think, I mean, I think Kildare is a hunter of sorts. Okay. I think she is keen on understanding the land where they are and any local flora and fauna, whatever there is. I know it's a desert. You're a rangery survivalist type. Mm -hmm. And when you get deployed to like different areas of this planet and maybe even different planets... Uh, it is your job to sort of protect the crow haver and anybody who might be traveling with them from the local fauna or flora. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who knows what's going to be dangerous? Yep. Um, for Archibald, what would what would Archibald bring to this party? So Archibald has the book, and the yes, and the book is the only bit of high tech that we have. Uh, it's Ooh. like a. Um, it's it's like a, a high tech data pad that has the combined knowledge of all humanity on it. Um, so he's he's the guy who's the research guy. He's the guy who's like, I will go to Google and figure out what we have here. Um, and he like does the scans and stuff. He's the he's the techie smart guy. Okay, cool. And I feel like your party makes sense. Uh, you've got somebody who's got all the knowledge of the human race in, in their hands and has various other techie powers. You've got somebody who's kind of like a tough explorer type and somebody who has a crow. <laughs> Someone yep. with a crow. <laughs> yep. It's very important. That's me. That works. This I, is how humans do it. They, I am the crow haver. <laughs> Welcome to space. Here's your crow. Here's your <laughs> iPad. But, but only what certain people get world. the crow. All right. Only... Only a yeah. select few get the crow. I'm really Couldn't good we at map having this crows. with satellites. Uh, <laughs> no, because of technology reasons or something. You need a crow. Uh, then I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> yeah, duh. How much sense does that make, idiot? Talk to my union. <laughs> union? Oh my gosh! The crow having union is very strong. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, I need you to please describe what you look like. Uh, so you are at a camp uh, when this object crashes. Uh, we've described that Kildare is awake. So I think, Kildare, what does your camp look like? And what are you doing when this object streaks down from the sky? Kildare is preparing for the next day. Um, I think it's going, the next day is supposed to be more of the same where they go out, they survey the land. Archibald like makes notes of things. Uh, the crow helps them look at landscape things that they can't access right away. And Kildare sort of like manages that with Archibald and Andreas. And so I think Kildare is like the monotony of what's going on has started to hit her and she is not thrilled about monotony, but it's a job, you know? We're going to look around the rest of the camp. You're, you're there in your element. 
dealing with that monotony. What is Archibald doing? Archibald is. Uh, I imagine the uh, the camp kind of looks like one of those like nineteen thirties guys are in the desert digging up Tutankhamun type of type of camps. Ooh, so like the, cool. the the tents aren't like low to the ground. They're like they have walls to them. Um, we have like some sort of vehicle that's with us, uh, and Archibald is in his tent and he's uploading the research from that day into the database. Um, so everything that they came across, everything that they surveyed, all the things that they scanned, he collects th- that goes to him, and then he has to spend the evening categorizing it and putting it into the into the um, into the book. And so and I think in this tent village that you're in, there is a uplink station that mm, you need to use. Yeah, and so, the book can't directly connect. No, to the omnipotent mighty cloud, you know, hallowed be its name. And um, <laughs> Archibald is there downloading all this research into the upload station. Um, the soft blue glow of the screen is on his face as he's calmly going through each and every single bit of information meticulously and putting it in. Can we change the blue glow to a green glow? Oh, yes, yes. That's, that's even better. Cool. Uh, so yeah, like that's flicking by his face and we can see just behind him the passed out form of Andres. <laughs> Andreas Crowhaver. Uh what does Andreas look like? Um Andreas has long, thick, luxurious hair, um, which is currently splayed perfectly across a pillow. Uh Andreas has black hair and is like a, a soft tan color um, from b- obviously being out on various planets with their various sunlight and, you know, having a crow. I've been many places. Do we, are we talking about clothes? Have we discussed clothing? Yeah, I want, I want to know what you guys look like. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, I probably have like bracers because, I have a bird that lands on my arms very often. So I need a place where they can grip my oh, arm. I thought you were going to say that I have bracers because I have a bird and that's what you get with the union. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, they're union bracers. The logo is on it. <laughs> the Crow Union logo is right on the side of it. You can't mistake it. Local 40K01. <laughs> the local 420. Other than that, I, since we're on a desert planet, it's probably loose cottony with some leather parts here and there like sturdy shoes and uh i th- i think whatever shirt i have uh, has has a light hood that i can pull up over my head to to guard myself from the sun uh what is the sleeping situation like uh what do you sleep on i think i've got if you know if if we have like a tent village we probably have a various amount of supplies so i i imagine like oh a roll of something on the ground that we, we roll out and lay on and it's probably artificially comfortable or something. Okay. I'm just passed out on that. Cool. Uh, let's cycle back to Archibald. What does Archibald look like? How are they dressed? Um, Archibald is uh, Southeast Asian. Uh, so he's got dark, dark kind of uh, dark brown skin, dark hair, brown eyes. Um, he's got, uh, a thin 
but not unattractive frame. He's bookish, but solid. You have to be kind of solid to do this job. Yeah. He's got long fingers and uh, a a quick way about him. And uh, he's got glasses. Uh, They're they're like old timey round specs that he, that Mm -hmm. he wears, but they're not for seeing they're the heads up display. Um, So he like, they go across there, but they're, but they look old, old timey. Yeah. He's wearing those clothes that are obviously like vest and trousers and collared shirt and pocket watch, but it's all slightly teched up. So the cut of the, of the vest is not, what you would expect it to be. It's, it's uh, slightly off kilter in triangles. Uh, the shirt that he's wearing is, it looks old timey, but has a different feel and fabric to it. Um, so it's, it's like he's a tech boy who is fitting in. I want to move on to Kildare. How is Kildare dressed? Kildare is wearing desert appropriate clothing so there's like drapey pants tucked into like wrapped boots that go up to her knees Mm -hmm. um and then like a drapey tunic that's belted and sashed um it's not ornate though it's all in really drab like uniform colors um like dark olive and like sandy brown and stuff like that um not not really camouflage but like it it's like not too far off from being camouflage. Um, she mm-hmm. has like a, a drapey desert cowl around her neck that turns into a hood and like a face mask uh, when they're out in the sand. She has, you know, standard issue goggles as well. Uh, I think they all do whether or not they're like wearing them out. And she's got um, her arms are covered in tattoos and she, they're all like geometric and ornate tattoos and she has this kind of like voluminous braided Viking faux hawk hairstyle. And her hair is is like electric blue. Nice. And so she's got this kind of like all like Mad Max kind of look about her. Um, but other than that, she's a woman of average height, average appearance, other than the tattoos and the bright hair. Um, she's not particularly feminine or particularly masculine. She's kind of just treading that line. Okay. Love it. I think the way your job works, the way like surveying and exploring different planets works is your crews are paid based on the amount of information that they take back and how unique and valuable that information is. Um, you are not the only surveying team that is part of this tent village. Like this tent village has a lot of different occupations and responsibilities uh, for, you know, what they're supposed to do to set this planet up, get it up and running or decide that it's just not a valuable place uh, for colonies. But there are other survey groups. Uh, You've come in from a long day you've kind of been burning it at both ends it's a highly competitive planet um and it's kind of dangerous uh just because it's like deserty and whatnot um but thanaxio like has readings that have implied that this is kind of a valuable planet um that that like discoveries here will be good this is very much no man's sky rules uh and that you just gotta scan and discover things Mm -hmm. uh so you're up late 
Um, I think you've got Archibald doing the upload. Andre is, uh, is like, well, if I've got the opportunity to sleep, I'm going to take it. And you've got Kildare, who is still being a little bit alert, uh, you know, looking at their surroundings. And you see the sky uh, very much like the the scene i described earlier of this coffin pod coming down but i want to emphasize that the clouds like the thick sort of sticky clouds that are on this planet as the coffin pod pierces through it almost like creates like a funnel shot down to the earth and the atmosphere reacts very quickly and like green lightning sparks around this funnel as this thing hits the earth and then like dust flies up and you know that you have seconds to react because other survey teams will be heading there and whoever gets the information back first is going to get paid out. Yeah. I think we see Kildare, watching this and in slow-mo and we see like the light reflected in her eyes as she puts that together like mere milliseconds before it hits the dirt and then she is on her feet pulling her you know her weapon and stuff with her and like gives a sharp alarm whistle the one she's used to wake up Archibald and Andreas in the past when they've needed to move quickly um, so she turns and she gives this whistle and she's like, get up, we've got to go. Uh, Archibald turns around. He's been mind deep in, in the surveying. What, what, what is it? What, 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 what's going on? What's, what? Something just broke the atmosphere and hit dirt. We've got to go now. What? Where? Where? And he's like there. looking up and he can look and he can see the, the, the dust plume that's going up for it. He goes, oh, 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 by the cloud, by the cloud. Okay. Okay. Um, where's, where's the crow? Where's the crow? In, in the middle of that, that panic that you just had when you're like, oh, what's up? Oh, there, where's, where is every, oh, that, uh, you, you see, uh, Andreas slowly sit up in the background and like rub at his eyes for a second and kind of look around while you guys are panicking and reaches over and does a little pap pap on the head of the crow who's just chilling next to him in, in a little nest of his clothes that he he builds every time they go to bed. Oh, yeah. What is the crow's name? What What's its name? Uh, the crow's name is Alan. 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 Oh, my gosh. Uh, I replied to your tweet, by the way, with a picture of Alan. Perfect. Um, uh, so... So Alan blearily blinks uh, and looks around the room and like steps out. Please describe Alan the Crow. Uh, Alan the Crow is surprisingly jet black and looks like every other crow. However, my crow wears a top hat. Mm. Yep. Alan's sleeping, sleeping in its little hat. So uh, uh, Kildare turns and sees that uh, Andreas is not moving fast enough, rushes over and like scoops Andreas up onto their feet and says, we've got to move now. I need you to move faster now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. All right. Let's go. Archibald already has like the, the survey bag and his coat on and he's trying to head out, trying to, to load up the... Do we have, like, a vehicle, do you think? Or Yeah, what does the vehicle look like? It's a Mad Max dune buggy. Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's got uh, one of those long bungee things on the back, like in uh, 
Fury Road. The, the bungee stick things. Yeah. Ooh, awesome. So you run over to your dune buggy. I'd like everybody to please describe one deal, one detail of the dune buggy. We've already got the long Mad Max swinging poles. Uh, what else? Uh, I think that Mad Max swinging pole is where the crow sits. Because um, <laughs> that's where the crows, they'll got to send the crow out and bring it back. back yeah, I like the idea that you can bend the swinging pole back to launch the crow faster. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's rad. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Andreas is chilling on the back of this buggy. There, there's like, oh, I'm so sorry. There's a crow's nest. <laughs> Great. Good. So there is like awesome. on this dune buggy, this dune buggy, there is an elevated platform that is the crow's nest and attached to that is this crow launching pole. Yeah. Good. Very good. Yep. So I'm going to assume there's one driver's seat. There is a seat for someone in the back and a crow's nest seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who is driving? I am. Kildare is. Okay. Kildare, you get your hands behind the wheel. Uh, You have one like small object that you've used to like personalize this. Um, And I think you run your fingers over it for good luck as some part of some ritual. What is it? Um, it is, um, it's attached to the dashboard of the dune buggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is, um, it's like a, it's like a seashell okay. from, from the home world. Ooh, okay. A home world seashell. So you run your fingers over it. You stick your keys, which like look kind of Mad Maxy. They've got like, animal skin and like bones dangling off of it you twist it and the dune buggy roars to life and you can hear other dune buggies starting up uh, and you punch the gas yeah i am going to need an aggress roll okay i roll 1d6 you roll 1d6 i rolled a three and my aggress is three. When you try something challenging, roll a d6 against the appropriate stat. If you roll equal to or lower than your stat, you succeed. So you have succeeded. Cool. Uh, we cut to a crow's eye view <laughs> of this ah! tent camp. And ah! we can see, like, even in the darkness... Oh! Oh! Uh, billowy clouds of dust kicking up as several different dune buggies streak away from the camp um, headed towards the impact site. You are the quickest on the road. Like uh, you, thankfully because of Kildare, you were scrambled very quickly um, and not like you, you didn't have to spend too much time rallying your crew. I think you've got a relatively like small, lean and mean crew. Uh, so you roll out much quicker. It does make you uh, more vulnerable to like larger outfits who at certain points can, you know, try and steal data and other things. But you roll out and you get on the dusty road. Uh, there are a lot of canyons and rocky outcroppings that separate y'all from the impact site. And Kildare just has 
like probably a death wish, but really good reflexes and instincts. And cheats near the canyons, going in between rocky outcroppings, uh, moving in a way that definitely would put you guys at risk. Uh, but because Kildare is so used to driving in different wild environments, the dune buggy manages to drift around several hazards uh, and you are far ahead of the pack. And after a couple minutes, you are within crow launching distance so that you can get a <laughs> better lay of the land here. So I am going to turn to Andreas and I've got to decide what stat. So one thing I want to mention about mm-hmm. Alan is the, the reason I put a little hat on Alan is because when they give you a crow, because the crow is used for surveying, mm-hmm. I think that they have a little sensor. Yeah. So that mm. we can see what the crow sees. That's yeah. what I was thinking too. That's yeah. great. Um, but I'm willing to bet your comprehend is your low stat, right? I could switch something. <laughs> uh, so no, I'm just thinking okay. that your when you are doing things with the crow, uh-huh. you will have to use enrapture. Okay. Is that good? Are yeah, you comfortable with sure. that? Okay. Why not? So please roll for me your enrapture. Ugh. You rolled above your stat mm-hmm. as you rolled a six. Yep. Um, when that happens, if you roll higher, the DM writes something on your character sheet. Don't write it on Alan. I drew a very good picture of him. No, Alan's extremely good. Thank you. Don't hurt Alan. I'm not going to hurt. Would you relax? <laughs> no. You gave yourself a bird with a top hat. Obviously, that's if anybody dies, it's everybody but Alan. Alan is immortal and invincible. Not unlike Dracula. (laughs) All right. I have finished writing something on your character sheet. So we cut to Alan. I think there is a crank on this pole and it creates a bend in this sort of flexible pole. And then you hit a button and it flings this bird way the high up into the air very, very fast. Would you call it a crotapult? A what? Like catapult, but crotapult? Crotapult, yes. Oh my gosh. It is called a crotapult. It's a union thing. Alan folds in their wings and like points their head back a little bit. I I think the top hat is like... aerodynamic. Deep... Yeah, it's like a top hat. Yeah. I guess it folds in or something. Uh, and, and it's very, very securely fastened to the head of this crow. It's a very um, good top hat. So it climbs very quickly. And you can see as Alan soars over this area um, through, and I guess you have goggles, so it's very much mm-hmm. that HUD. Um, so you see the what the crow sees in front of you. I think like you can choose to have it be in both eyes or in just in one eye, however you want it. Mm-hmm. But there is so much dust in the air. It's hard to see what is at the core of the impact site. You cycle through a couple different filters. I think you've got, you know, infrared filter. So you can see something hot is at the center of this impact. Like it would be for a meteor or what have you, but nothing is giving you a really clear image. Hmm. I think I I send a signal to Alan to 
uh, go a little bit lower to try or like try to get outside of the dust cloud. Okay. So in order to get closer to the impact site, yeah, the impact site is going to be through the dust cloud. So you're going to have to roll for that. Okay. And I think this is survive. Oh, well, that's. What are you good at? (laughs) What are you good at? I rolled like shit. Look at my page. I only rolled one good roll. No, I mean, four is good. Eh, I already failed that one. Now write something else on there. So now when we fail a roll, you write something down about our character, James? I write something on your character sheet. So he'll just send you a message since you're not on site. Oh, okay. It just says, the roll is higher, the DM writes something on your character sheet. Hmm. For someone with low comprehend, I'm... Let it be known in canon that one-shot dice roll high for me, but my own dice that I bought with my own money hate me. Amazing. I mean, they're just designed for roll-low games. Apparently. See if it works out in my favor. Am I rolling something again? No, I already failed something. No, no. So uh, Alan heads into the dust storm, um, and you can tell because of the sympathetic connection that you have to Alan He's getting buffeted about quite a bit by like the strong winds that have been kicked up by this dust storm. Uh, and you can see that like Alan's uh, rebreather has activated. Uh, we can we cut over to an image of Alan <laughs> flying through the air and we can see from the top hat this yep. tiny electronic helmet coming down. Yep. Uh, and it prevents Alan from breathing impurities and being injured. Uh, this is such a good game. Wait, wait. I, I love this I, bird. I, I almost feel like... So, like continue, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is that Alan can't see anything or make out any more information. Uh, Alan's too busy trying to dodge like larger rocks and stuff that have been kicked up in, by this storm. So the only way that you guys are going to be able to get more information is by getting closer. Archibald, yeah. is there something that you would like to do to contribute to the situation? Hmm. Um, I think that the best thing Archibald can do is he can look through the database and see if they've already mapped out these canyons to see what will be the quickest way of getting to uh, the impact site. Absolutely. So um, that's comprehend. I, that's comprehend. Nice. My comprehend is at a six. So I roll the three and that happens. All right. Excellent. So you go through the databases very quickly. The reason this is a skill, this isn't like Google Maps. Uh, hmm. A lot of information is fragmented. And especially on frontier planets, there are groups uh, like yours that use the taxonomy properly and tag everything correctly. There are other groups that will try to keep privileged information to give themselves an advantage in new territories. They'll go back and fix things later, but they hide things in different sub-databases. So you have to know how to jump around the servers to properly pull up the right information. Um, You have to understand other groups' taxonomy codes in order to put together a clear picture. So Archibald is dashing through several different sections and essentially hacking his way into getting the proper information to get a real layout of this area. Uh, so you, so we can see him inside his like bucket seat in the in the dune buggy. So like as the dune buggy is going over bumps and stuff like that, he's sitting there. And 
from our point of view, we can't see that he's doing anything other than just moving his hands in the air. It uh, doesn't look like yes. he's doing anything else, but the camera moves in and goes behind his glasses. And when we go behind his glasses, we can see tons of fragmented uh, information that he's pulling from different places and connecting it and hacking through codes and doing things like that. That's awesome. We cut over to Kildare's view. And right now, Kildare is headed towards this big dust cloud. And like just barely entering the cloud, we can see that there's you know, nothing, but suddenly your head pops up as some of Archibald's information comes through. And there's sort of this green wireframe on your HUD that shows you what the land is. And slowly, piece by piece, like a puzzle getting filled in, more and more of a wireframe perspective of what the landscape looks like goes in front of you. So you went from having no information and not being able to see anything to seeing different parts of the landscape. And I think... Immediately in front of you, there's a massive rock. So I need you to roll survive for me to avoid this rock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So I rolled a one and my survive is six. So what badass thing do you do to avoid Um, getting murdered by this rock? Giant rock. The grid comes up. Rock, 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 rock. I see it. she does a really cool swerve where it like, so it looks like she's just going to swerve sideways and then pull back in to go straight around the other side of the rock. But she doesn't, she swerves and then like swerves backwards so that the buggy pulls to the left around the rock and then bucks and spins all the way around and then keeps going. Hell yeah. So you throw yourself into this drift uh, then like most people would say, oh God, they're losing control of the drift. Uh, but you spin all the way around and lose almost no momentum. Yeah. Uh, I think there is like somebody hot on your heels and you hear like a smash as they hit yeah. that rock and lose Nerds. a wheel. Um, and you head further into the dust storm. Uh, this is an area where now... Your information, uh, Archibald, is not going to be as accurate because there is an impact. Like something mm-hmm. fell from the sky. It's going to change part of the landscape. So I need you, and I guess I guess this is another comprehend. I need you to roll a comprehend for me to pull together data that you have collected so far about this like the trajectory of this thing, like the scanning equipment that you have uh, gave you and, and especially like sending uh, Alan into the storm. Like Alan Hmm. is providing a live feed back to your equipment. So you're taking the information that you got from Alan information that you already have about that landscape. And you're sort of figuring out how large this object was, how fast it must have come in and how massive it must be and compiling all that information to project what the landscape might have changed to. And again, this is requires human hands to like oversee different calculations and projections in order to provide yourselves with a wireframe of that. So give me a comprehend rule. Cool, cool. All right, here it comes. And it's a four. And my comprehend is a six. All right. So describe for me like what interesting thing you uncovered. Cool. So as we come 
into the new area. Uh, we see Archibald swipe away the canyon. He like puts it in a neat little package that he can use later, send it off and get money to, for it. And uh, he then opens up this new and he, this new file for this. And so he's pulling in all this information from Alan. He's pulling in information like trajectory notes and back and forth. And um, the thing that he discovers is that what the impact, what everyone is going to is not actually what impacted what they're heading towards is some set of sort of outer casing, some like slag that came off of whatever we really need to go for. Mm-hmm. And what oh. we really need to go for Ooh. is in a different direction. That's dope. Oh, I love it. I love it. So you discover this and like, yeah, there was a smaller piece that broke off and like looked like it used some sort of propulsion. And you could see that because like, when Alan was headed into the dust cloud, like there was this weird jut off of it. Um, So everybody's so distracted by this like larger dust cloud. They haven't noticed this. Um, Please describe Archibald shouting out this discovery. Oh, 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 what? oh, no, it's, it's, it's what? not a thing. It's not a thing. The thing is not the thing. About? The thing is the other thing. The thing Archibald. that we have is not the thing. No, no, Archibald. no, quiet, hey. quiet, quiet, Archibald. quiet. I'm coming up with something. No, Raid. you, quiet. <sighs> hold on, hold on. Will you tell me what you yeah. need or what? Hold Wait, on. Take a deep hold breath. On. I'm trying. I'm trying to breathe. You're going to let me breathe? I'm going to uh, breathe. All right. Yeah. Give me a second. Yeah. Give, me, give me a second. Yeah. <sighs> the thing that we're trying to get is not in the dust cloud. What we're trying to get is over three clicks southwest, um, 23 degrees, 16 angle of 97. So Wait. it is on your turn now. Turn now. Turn now. There. No, it's not. It's over. And he like stands up out of the buggy. Well, sit down. There. And the camera goes right down his arm. Um, and we can, and it zooms like an arrow straight to this, this outcropping of rock where we see just the faintest bit of like a greenish glow. Yeah. From- um, uh, Andreas like watches and follows the, the point of your finger and then, uh, decides, oh, oh I, I should send a, a signal to Alan and just kind of tips his head back and starts saying, Alan, <laughs> Uh, 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 thank God uh, someone needed to do it a top hat Uh, Alan is so high up and so far away Alan that way go that way Alan Archibald are you sure I'm absolutely sure Math, math does not lie you just shout commands to Alan that's how crow having works. You've got this cool connection to the crow that allows you to give it a gas mask and see through its eyes. But the way you tell it to do things is just with your dumb mouth to Alan the crow. Yep. Who hears you, yes. I guess. Yep. He actually has a transmitter that he hears it through, but I just... I, I like to make sure that he gets the message. Okay. So Alan <laughs> gets the message for his new heading. He bursts out of uh, the dust storm and he can see this green glow. Uh, it zooms in with Alan's genetically enhanced crow vision. Yep. And zooms Top in hats. and you can see this 
smoldering green fire around this obsidian dark object. Uh, it's still a little blurry. Um, Alan's got some uh, like dust on the little helmet that's in, still in front of his face. He like bursts through and like the helmet slowly pulls back into the mm-hmm. top hat. Um, but you can see this crazy looking green object or black object silhouetted in green fire. So in consideration of what you've written on my sheet, do I recognize it? I don't think you recognize it, but you can feel in the pit of your stomach a dread that has no name. Great. I'd like to think that all the other crows, because every, every surveying group has a crow, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think they all wear different types of hats. Like one's wearing a toque, yeah. one's wearing an ivy cap, one's mm-hmm. wearing, wearing like, like wearing a fez. Like. And they're not all, well, I guess they are all crows. Or, yeah, you know what? I think there is a union of crow havers, but there are people who own other birds. Ooh, as well. yeah. yeah. What if all yeah. birds are just called crows? We don't like the. Yeah, actually, other all birds are just called crows. <laughs> I like that better. So, so there's pigeons and and owls and stuff yeah. like that too, but they're yeah. just become crows. They're uh, all called crows. I, I think crow another is the word for bird. I think another bird like tries to pop out of the fray and. Uh, Alan knows what to do, and he just kind of poops on the other bird. And oh bird well, okay, see. nope, you yep. set this up. Uh, this yep. is a roll now. Absolutely, this is a challenge. Uh, I need you to roll a aggress. Easy. I got six aggress, and I just rolled a four. Please tell me. So, I think a battle crow comes out of the sky. A battle, a crow, battle crow is a golden eagle. It's a <laughs> massive bird. <laughs> it's this is in a, a Phrygian cap. Oh, Phrygian oh, yes. cap. Yes. Uh, Great. So it's like designed to be aerodynamic and huge, and it like aggresses on other crows, which again can be crows and can be other birds too. All Great. birds are called crows. This is going to be confusing. <laughs> I, I love it. Great. So, so he dives at. Alan, what does Alan do in response? Alan pops out his tactical view. Uh, Alan's got little goggles too, mm-hmm. and well, yeah, uh, it's got that helmet thing. It's got the helmet thing, but that that was to block from from all the the crap in the air. But he's got separate tactical goggles that pop out of his hat. And is this game about Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> you know, bird goggles. Yeah, Dracula. Did all Have you ever up. read Dracula? <laughs> Everything's fine. Alan's very important to me. Uh, Alan kind of... <laughs> so he he does a barrel roll off to the side and this other bird just whoosh right past him, dives down, and Alan just kind of... He, he turns on his um, his targeting software and he just he gets right into the right position. And, but then, but then he realizes he doesn't need targeting software. Oh, oh gosh. Wow. Already. <laughs> he shuts, already. He shuts it off and just lines it up and just lets one go. And we, we see it slow motion, just this amorphous liquid gently flying through the air. <laughs> Does Ave Maria play in the background? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. And 
uh, the other bird has only the other crow, what a battle crow has only just pulled out of their dive and looked back up to find Alan again. And upon looking up, on his face, right between the eyes, covering ah! his face, can't see anything. It like spins out of control. Yeah, yeah, dives out of control and, and falls back into the dirt cloud behind. I think Alan like then leans in and dives uh, to build up speed so it can move off the three kilometers towards your intended target. Uh, Alan, good job! Yeah. <laughs> uh. And I think we cut over to y'all pulling up to this object. There, the whole area is full of like this light, sort of undulating green glow, and you can see smoke is now up in the sky. There might be other groups that notice where you are, but they're not going to be able to get there before you do. The fire has gone out. It's now this smoldering sort of green embers around this obsidian black coffin-shaped object. It is, of course, the year 3400. So coffins look different now. So Mm. you wouldn't recognize it as a coffin, but it is an old school coffin style thing. And it sits with a door hung open. Ooh. Bum, 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 bum. What the Ooh. hell is that? So I, I imagine that the doom buggy like comes to like a, like a, a skid stop. Archibald has already stepped out of his bucket seat and like stepped out of the doom buggy and is beginning to like set up pylons to like begin taking different, uh, different readings, different information that he can do. And he opens the book and begins to scan. Because he's trying to capture as much information of just everything around here. Not just, he's taking like temperature and light and trying to figure out like chemical composition in the ground and in the air. All the information has some sort of monetary value. This seems like a comprehend to me. I'll, I'll do another comprehend here. That's a five out of six. All right. Uh, so you're pulling in information. It, it's basic area surveying information, um, but this object is also included in it. Uh, yes. And you, as the information is pouring in, like ridiculous amounts of data are being fed into your book. Uh, and like a lot of it is mundane, um, but you're pulling in data about this thing and it's giving you like chemical readouts and composition stuff. As it reaches a certain threshold, as you've collected a certain amount of information, uh, like normally the system takes in the information that you ha- like just collected and runs a reference of it against the database information that you have. Mm-hmm. As you pull in that information, it stops pinging back database information about this object. And you can tell that it's not just that this hasn't been identified because like you have found a couple unique things. Uh, There is database information, but it is not giving it to you. Oh, it's like a flat line um, on a heart monitor. It's just like information, 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 nothing. Just this blank space. And we as the audience can see all that information just go go blank and Archibald looks around and goes I I don't I don't believe it 
What is it? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the book doesn't know. He, like, takes his glasses off. feeling about this. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. He takes the glasses off and he closes the book. And, like, the pylons are still, it's still all running. But Archibald goes over to it. And he reaches out and touches it. And, like, you, he expects it to be hot. So he, like, puts his hand back. But he goes, it's cold. How could it be cold? It just fell from space. I don't know. But... Whatever this is, it's it's open. And I think, Andreas, you're looking at this and you can see as Archibald like pulls his hand back, uh, there's some writing. Like his hand wiped away some soot or something. And this like silver lettering, like you can see shining through it and it like connects with you. Um, mm. And you feel this urge to go see what it is. Uh, Andreas climbs out of the crow's nest and I think Alan has taken to just flying a, a tight circle around the group as I start to step forward and closer to the coffin. Do you thing. have gloves? Yes. What do they look like? They are soft black leather gloves that I wear for, for working. They're so full hand. Your hand sort of unsteadily reaches out for this coffin. And the area where uh, Archibald has just touched, you brush your gloved hand across it. And it reveals beneath the soot-stained obsidian black, there is a small inscription in silver lettering, like large sort of Roman font, numeral-esque writing Mm -hmm. in Latin. And your HUD pops up and like decodes the language to be something that you can read. And the phrase causes anxiety to well up in your chest it's something that you've seen before the worst night of your life the body moves but the heart is still oh fuck what does it say it said the body moves but the heart is still what is that a riddle oh it's beautiful what does it mean it's not good it's not good at all now, I remember this. I was there. It was the worst night of my whole life. What are you talking about? We need to Every- leave. I'm not. I can't. What is it? Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, well, it's you- not here right now. The door's open. What are you talking that, about? That's like, the this is- worst part. We need to go. We need to this- get off this planet. Uh, can you roll an enrapture for me? Fuck. Write some more shit on my card. I'm going to need another card. Andreas starts talking in increasingly unsteady tones. They are clearly agitated and you can feel the fear in their voice. It's very unlike Andreas, who, you know, is normally kind of a little checked out, doesn't really care for much except for Alan, mealtimes, and hanging out. Like, it's not really invested deeply in the job. So, This does not sync with your normal vision of Andreas, but also 
you are not convinced by their argument that you have to leave now. You you understand that they're very afraid, but if you are more concerned with uh, doing something here, you can resist Andreas's words. Andreas, that makes no logical sense. At all. This is the biggest score that we've ever come across. If it's as bad as you say it, we need the information to sell. We got like a minute and a half to download as much as we can before- Before the other people show up. Nope. You want to tell us why? Nope. Yeah, we're going to stay. We're going to just do this. Keep doing this. Uh, Andreas, like, keeps backing up and noping and kind of crawls into the car and um, starts uh, making a beeline for the driver's seat. (gasps) You don't have the keys, Andreas. I'm just going to be ready. You need to finish up here now. We need to leave the planet. Andreas, the shuttle doesn't come for another two months. There's no leaving. We'll find a way. There's got to be a way. We've got to get out of here. Archibald goes and gets his glasses on and begins begins doing a detailed scanning of of the object. And for some reason, he's drawn to that crack in the object that goes inside of it. It's a dark, dark just chasm that Mm -hmm. just seems to lead on forever. And as he goes over it, he gets to that spot and he peers into it and sees nothing. There's nothing in there. Not even darkness. There's just nothing. And he's compelled to put his hand inside. It's a sphere of annihilation. Yep. And you lose the hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Got your back. <laughs> Suckers. And I think that as he reaches out his hand and he's gonna, going to put his hand in, inside of the, the object, uh, Kildare, you pull him back. Yeah, Kildare sweeps, like, the shot lingers on his hand reaching towards that darkness, that chasm, and the music is, like, pulsing and swelling, and and it zooms slowly in on his hand as it reaches for the entrance. And then Kildare's hand snatches his hand away, and she kind of, like, jars his shoulder a little bit. And she's like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. focus up. We've only got a few minutes. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll go back to scanning. Andreas starts honking the buggy horn like, we have to go. Kildare, I need you to roll an enrapture for me. Okay, uh, I rolled a one and my enrapture is four. Okay, so you looked at the darkness in that like open crack of the coffin. And for a brief period, you felt compelled to reach for the same place. Mm -hmm. But it's not overpowering and like the impulse goes away. Mm-hmm. All right. Protocol stands that we can scan the area and find everything. But, but if we want that bonus, we can try dragging part of this, getting samples off. I don't of think the buggy can take it. Samples then. All right. Try to break some off. Let's do this. All right. They so pull out a toolkit. They go back to the, the buggy, pull out this toolkit, and pull it like a laser drill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you fire up that laser drill. What does a laser drill look like? Oh man! It looks like a super soaker. Yep. <laughs> it looks like a exactly out. like a super soaker. Yeah. There's a pulse like a- of green laser energy as you attempt to take a sample, 
And it completely obliterates the dust that was around, uh, like the outside, the, the black soot. But beneath it, you can see a mirror clear reflection in this obsidian black exterior of this coffin. But you didn't actually get any part of the coffin. Wow. Wow. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And extremely not helpful. Yeah. You're getting footage of this too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like double taps his glasses for them to for it to continue recording. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, junk from space, yes, but not not this. Um well, I think because you blasted it with the laser drill, the door swings open more and tumbling out of the door is a pile of dirt. What the fuck is that? Archibald turns his turns the uh, the scan. Take, he actually takes the full book and he scans the dirt. Uh, do you mind if I roll a comprehend on this? Oh, please do. That's a three out of a six. Okay, you can tell that this is Terran soil. Oh my goodness! What is it? <gasps> it's Terran soil. How is that possible? I don't know. We lost the star charts back to Terra a long time ago. This is- this dirt right here, this dirt is worth a space station. Get it into a jar now. Oh, okay. All right. Just give me give me a second. And from the tool, he pulls out from the tool uh, tool bag. He pulls out like a containment. Tube yeah, yeah, yeah. And slowly scoops it into the containment. I tube. think at this point, Kildare is like kind of pacing and agitated. Is it possible that the readings are, are wrong? Is it possible that it's wrong? I hey, mean, we don't hey, have anything hey, on this. Hey, hey, the math is never wrong. I'm just I'm- concerned about the gap in the knowledge about this thing, but the computer says that that's Terran soil. If we're lying and we sell that for what it's worth, we're dead. Well, we won't know until we try. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, there's no bringing this. So what's going to happen now is the other guys are going to show up and they're going to try to take it. But we have it first, which means if we can get back to camp and I can download this, we are solid. Get as much of the soil as you can. Done. So you move over to the soil. You've got like different bags and whatnot that you can put it in. Uh, So you start loading up the soil as you are digging through the dirt Something hard touches your fingers. You brush it aside. You bring up a light, and the light shines down on this dark, soot-black soil. And you can see, outlined in your flashlight, a long, sharp, wooden object that has a red stain on the end. And the thing that really gets you, because you scan it, And your scan tells you that this is wood. One of the rarest things in all the universe. (gasps) That's not what I think it is. (gasps) It's wood. None of this makes a damn lick of sense. Why is there dirt and wood in this box? Uh, It's it's what they used to call oak. Oh, look at it. Uh, And Andreas stumbles out of the car... And and comes a little bit closer to observe what's on the scene. And you've seen it before. Yeah, he's. It's he's, what you knew it was the second you read that phrase. 
As Andreas shuffles a little closer, Kildare glances over her shoulder, perhaps a little disdainfully. Are you going to tell us if this is what makes sense to you, since you're so scared of what was in the box? Or is this all news to you, too? I have a question for James. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to assume too much about the plot line. Assume anything. Okay. <laughs> well, then. Uh, <laughs> so Alan lands. Alan, Alan, Alan lands. <laughs> <laughs> Andreas is staring directly at that piece of wood and starts to more or less stumble forward because his feet have become like lead. Um he steps forward until he falls to a kneel close enough that reaching out, he can touch the piece of wood and he, he does so he reaches out and gently touches it and picks up the wooden stake. There's an instant connection to it. Your hands are shaking as they close around it. Your fingers feel strong. You know what you have to do with this. With this in hand, Andreas begins to take deeper breaths, some control creeping back into his body, and he slowly sits back on his feet, still kneeling, but holding this wooden stake in front of him. Hey, Andreas, you okay? (sighs) You gonna... Just shoveling dirt into a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess, hard to describe. Look... I know what came out of this vessel. Whoa, whoa, whoa you, you do? What, what, what was it? What was it? What was it? I'm going to get this on recording. I'm going to get this recorded. You better start talking, Andreas. If you're so scared that you want to leave planet, you better tell us what's going on so we can figure this out together. Oh, guys, we also don't get a whole lot of time. Uh, Archibald pulls out his pocket watch and clicks it and like a hologram comes up. Uh, he's like, that's proximity. We got at least... The Smithsaurison group and uh, the Thorbalians are on their way as well. We only got a bit of time. Andreas. Look. All right. There's an extreme close-up of Andreas's face as he's about to say what he's about to say. Have you ever heard the myth of Dracula? Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Fuck! It's Dracula! In the meantime, if you're looking for other great gaming shows, be sure to check out the Character Creation Cast. Character Creation Cast is a discussion podcast where Amelia Antrim and Ryan Belletier create characters in multiple role-playing games with prominent guests from around the game's community. Each month, Character Creation Cast examines the character generation process in depth for a different game with new guests each series. They always take the time to reflect on the game, its design, and what guests have to say about it. Think of it as sitting in on a great Session Zero every week. Coming up this week on the OneShot Twitch stream on Thursday, we'll have more Gloomhaven with a new episode of Total Party Kill starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can find that and more at twitch.tv slash OneShotRPG. Heroes, I wrote a book full of character development exercises. It's a great way to quickly build a character backstory, create connections between different characters in a game, and even keep role-playing when you're alone. It's going to be available everywhere books are sold October 2nd, but you can help me out by pre-ordering, either from your favorite independent brick-and-mortar bookstore, large sellers like Barnes & Noble, or just about any online seller. And if you don't have the money to support the book by buying it, be sure to contact your local library to make sure they have it in stock. 
Heroes, as always, we end one shot with a call to action. And as we are approaching November, I want to make sure that everyone in my audience is registered to vote. Progressives tend to skip midterm elections, and that's hurt this country a lot in the past. Most states allow for online voter registration. Be sure to head to vote.org to see how to register in your area. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.